Amen. You know, it just warms my heart to see these things. And, and uh, you know, I, I just want to encourage all of us as we do these things, um, God may be speaking to our hearts too. Pay attention to those inclinations that the Lord may be laying on your heart. You know, those little desires that you have and that country that you're burdened for, that opportunity that just won't seem to leave you. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. And let's stay open to the Lord. You know, we have been saying here for quite a while that we want our mission statement to be more than just a slogan or a statement that's slapped on our stationary website and that kind of thing, but to be real. And that is that we exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who love God passionately and love others unconditionally. And we saw that in the baptisms here, and we see this in Gary and Carol responding to the call of God in their lives. And, and we all ought to be asking that question, Lord, how can you use me? to make a significant difference in the hearts and lives of others and to raise up multiplying disciples. Well, we're so glad that you're here. As uh, Hillary said a few moments ago, and I really am glad. I mean, this is, this is amazing. It's cold weather. This is a good crowd here. And uh, I was praying that the water was warm in that baptism, but that's, <laughs> you know, could have some issues. I may have postponed my baptism to the next week. Uh, but at any rate, just uh, delighted that you all are here. This is, this is exciting. I'm starting a new series today, and uh, it will be six, seven-part series. We're going to take a little break next week because I'm going to talk about something else. We've entitled the series, I've entitled the series Supernatural, Supernatural. It's on the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and uh, it is a very important series. I guess anything in the Bible is important. I don't want to oversell things, but uh, the emphasis is important because this is the era of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads together before we get into the word. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love and your power. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, O oh God, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for these baptisms. Lord, we pray in the name of your son that you will meet us and that you'll speak to our hearts. God, as we talk about the third person of the Trinity in which there is enormous confusion and um, unsettledness and all kinds of crazy stuff and weird things happening. We pray for biblical clarity that you'll speak to us and that, Father, we will, we will move to where you want us to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. I have, I have talked about the Holy Spirit a considerable amount of time uh, here at the church in various messages. A number of years ago, did a series on the book of Acts, and we're living in the era of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I think we ought to talk m more about the Spirit of God than we actually do is because the Spirit of God dominates this era. That from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven until he comes back again, this is the era of the activity of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's an entire book of the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, technically speaking, is more about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And this is the era of the Holy Spirit, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And yet, uh, there's a lot of confusion about the Spirit of God, a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, a lot of confusion about who He is and what He, what he does. A lot of weird things are attributed to the Holy Spirit. So what, 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 what does He do? What does He do? And that's what we want to talk about during this series. I've entitled this series, Supernatural, Supernatural. How would you feel if you had someone that you loved dearly, maybe a family member, maybe a child, maybe a spouse? 
you love dearly and you watch them struggle. You just watch them struggle. And the, 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 the problem was that, that you, you had the resources and the power to address what they were struggling with. You, you, you had it. And it, it was all theirs. And, and not, not only would they not come to you for help, but they actually would ignore you and resist you. And in their determination, they'd try to gut it out on their own and try to make it happen. And many of us have seen that even with some of our own children. We, we, we say, well, wh- why, why are you so stubborn? Why don't you come? Why don't you, why don't you get help? Why don't you do that? Do you know that inside of us, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, inside of us is all the power that we need to face any challenge on any given set of circumstances in which we may find ourselves. Did you realize that inside of us, inside of us, as followers of Jesus, every bit of power, every bit of strength, uh, every solution ultimately is found in his word, but it operates in us through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean to be hard on anyone, but I've been a Christian for a number of years and been around the block a little bit, been a pastor for quite a little bit now. And uh, I, I I gotta tell you, the truth of the matter is, is that most followers of Jesus live remarkably unsupernatural lives. Most of us, most of us are somewhere in this gray area of two steps forward, three steps back, a little roller coaster experience. We get victory in an area this, uh, in, in this one area, and then we go back and we keep going up and down, 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 up and down. Uh, we, we sort of feel like, well, the real power is found in my insights or learning more about Jesus or, or reading my Bible. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I got to tell you, uh, and from a practical perspective, although we academically talk about the Spirit of God, talk about the Holy Spirit, I wonder how many of us really experience His power. I wonder how many of us really know what it really means to be empowered by the Spirit of God. I wonder how many of us really know what it means to see Him transform me on a day-to-day basis, to see him help me overcome, and not only overcome, but give me victory in areas of sin and defeat. Jesus made a statement over in John chapter 14, verse 17, when he was speaking to his followers, and just before he was going to be crucified, he was telling them, said, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send you another helper, another comforter, um, who shall be with you and in you. He's not not just going to be around you. He's not just going to be around your circumstances. But I'm sending you another comforter. He's talking about the Holy Spirit who shall be with you and he's going to be in you. In you. In you. Well, what's in us? Who's in us? Who is the Holy Spirit? And that's what I want to tackle today. Now, I'm going to do a tad bit more teaching today and not as much inspiration because we need a good framework and a foundation 
I find that when we traffic in the ministry of the Spirit of God, there, there, there are two extremes. One extreme is that we ignore him and just deal with him academically. The other extreme is that we pursue it experientially that's not tied to healthy, solid, biblical framework. And we need healthy, solid, biblical framework to appreciate the banks of the river and how God intends the Spirit of God to function and work in and through our lives. So we cannot ignore the content and the teaching of, of what who and what the Spirit of God is intended to do inside of our lives. So who is this person that lives inside of us? Who is he? Who is the one that is with us and in us? I mean, is he an influence? I mean, who is he? Is he the mega assistant to God, the Father and God, the Son? Who who is he? Who is he? Who is he? Well, I want to reintroduce him to those of us who know him and introduce him to some of us who may not know who he is. Now, I've organized my thoughts in these three big categories or these three big expressions about the identity of the Holy Spirit, who he is. Uh, One, he he is power. Number two, he is a partner. And number three, he's a person. Now, I'm summarizing a whole lot of theology here on the ministry and the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, number one, is power. He is power. What do we mean by that? I mean that he is God. He is God. The one who is with us and in living inside of us is no less than God, the Holy Spirit. He's not a mega assistant. He's not an influence. Uh, he's not just the good thoughts and the collective spirit of truth and all of this kind of nebulous nonsense. He's not, he's not that. He is literally God that lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. What does that mean? That means he's co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. He's not just a big assistant. He doesn't just run errands for the Father and the Son. In in terms of who he is, he himself is power. He himself is God. And it's that God that lives inside of us. Uh, Let me just delineate a few things here. Uh, When I say he is God, what I mean by that is that he has the attributes of God. All that God is, the Holy Spirit is. And while I'm saying this, so it is with Jesus. All that, all that Jesus is, God is. And all that God is, Jesus is. Now, I didn't say that they're the same person. This is the mystery of the Trinity. But, but they're, 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 they're co-equal in substance. They have these divine attributes, which are some amazing, and amazing, some amazing implications here. And let me just kick off, click off about eight or nine of these attributes that the Holy Spirit has. We find them throughout the scriptures. Number one, the Holy Spirit is present everywhere, just like God is present everywhere. We call that omnipresence. He is everywhere at the, at the same time. Now, let me, let me just say this. Not, not part of him is present everywhere. All of him is present everywhere at the same time. This is remarkable. If there was any, if, if, if that were not so, then he would be less than God. 
Just as God is present everywhere, all of him is present everywhere at the same time, so also the Holy Spirit, all of him is present everywhere at the same time. That's what the psalmist meant over in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8. Where shall I go from your spirit? Capital S. You're everywhere. And so is the Spirit of God. He is everywhere present at the same time. Secondly, he, he's om, omniscient or he knows all things. Just as God has all knowledge, the Holy Spirit has all knowledge. You don't need to bring the Holy Spirit up to speed. You don't need to brief him on what has taken place. You don't need to give him cleft notes in terms of what's happening in your life. Uh, he knows it instantly. He knows it. He knows all things. Just as Jesus knows all things, and God the Father knows all things, he has all, all knowledge. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, the Apostle Paul is talking about the mind of the Spirit and, and how the Spirit has access and knows the things that God knows. He has knowledge. He knows all things. Uh, number three, he has infinite power. Just as God is omnipotent, all-powerful, just as Jesus is omnipotent, all-powerful, so also the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. He has all power. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that created this universe, the power that sustains it is the same power that lives inside of our hearts and our lives. We have no less than God who is with us and who is in us. And fourthly, he is eternal. Uh, Hebrews 9.14 calls him the eternal spirit, not small s as in influence, but the eternal spirit, capital S, as in the person of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, he's never created. He wasn't created. Uh, just as God wasn't created, Jesus wasn't created. Uh, they've always existed. Had no beginning and no end. Uh, when thus it says, the plural pronoun is used, let us make man in our image. It is a Godhead. We've always existed. The Holy Spirit has always existed. He is, called, he is holy as is implied by his name. He is holy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Uh, don't you know that your body is the temple of a Holy Spirit? Just as God is holy and just as Jesus is holy and there's no imperfection in them, so the Holy Spirit is holy. And this little aside here, so when he resides in our hearts and lives, his job is to make us holy, to make us like Christ. It's to purify us. And the truth of the matter, his desire to purify us is more than desire. He has the ability to do what he desires because he's all-powerful. I don't care what problem you have, and I don't care what sin you're struggling with, and I don't care what addiction you may have. It is not beyond the power of the Spirit of God to break it, to shatter it, and to throw it away. He is able to do that. He is called the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is also life. Just as God is life and Jesus is life, the Holy Spirit is life. Romans 8, 2 calls, calls the Holy Spirit, Paul calls him the spirit of life. Again, not small s, capital S, the spirit of life. 
not meaning influence, the, inf- the, 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 the implication is, is that the Holy Spirit is the author of life. Amazing. And by the way, life is a product of deity. It's a product of God. We don't produce life. Oh, yes, egg and a sperm and all that stuff. But we don't produce life. God produces life. And the Spirit of God, that's one of his attributes is that he, he is life. He is love. Just as God is love. The Holy Spirit is love. Where do you get that from? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love. He produces what he is. He's love, just as God is love. And then finally, another one of his attributes is that he is truth. And that's what John 14, 17 talks about. He calls the, John 14, 17 calls him the spirit, not small s, capital S, the spirit of truth. Just as God cannot lie and is the author of truth, just like Jesus cannot lie, the Holy Spirit cannot lie. It's a spirit of truth. Well, you say, what, what difference does this make, Crawford? I mean, okay, you said he's God, co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son here, and he, you've delineated these attributes. Well, what, what difference does it make? Now, hear me on this. Here's the difference that it makes. Because the Holy Spirit is God, there are consequences for disobeying the Holy Spirit who resides in our hearts and in our lives. Just as God is to be worshipped, just as Jesus is to be worshipped, the Holy Spirit is to be worshipped. Just as God is to be obeyed and Jesus is to be obeyed, the Holy Spirit is to be obeyed. There are consequences to ignoring the Holy Spirit. And as God, in terms of his position, he demands our attention, he demands our honor, and he, uh, he demands that we submit to him and that we obey him. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's, no, he's not just an influence. The benchmark, the first place to begin is that he's God. He has power, meaning that he is God. Secondly, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he is a partner. I want you to turn with me to, to uh, John, chapter, John chapter 15. A few verses in John 15 and John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit is a, a partner. What do you mean by that? Well, his role in human history is to execute the will of the Father and the Son. That's what he's doing right now. That's what he's doing in human history. You gotta bear with me here because this is, this is some important stuff. What he's doing right now in and through our lives is executing the will of the Father and the will of the Son. That's what he focuses on right now. The Holy Spirit does not act apart from the will of the Father and the will of the Son in human history. This is what is called theologically, there's a doctrine called the procession of the Trinity. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. But look at, look at uh, John chapter 15, verse 26. 
Jesus is, is, is uh, telling his followers that they're not by themselves and that when he leaves, uh, he's not going to leave them alone. He says in verse 26, but when the helper comes, the helper, the word helper there is a Greek word, parakletos, parakletos, para meaning alongside, kletos comes from kaleo, which means to call, one who's called alongside of, that's the whole inference of partnership, one who's called alongside of to empower, to do something. So Jesus says, when I go, it's not like you're going to be powerless. In fact, I'm going to send you another comforter, the Paracletos, the Spirit of God, who's going to empower you, partner with you, if you will, in terms of the will of the Father and the will of the Son. Now listen to these words closely. Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. Now here's the term. This is where they get the, the whole idea of the doctrine of the procession of the Trinity. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. What does all that mean that he proceeds from the Father? Doesn't mean, it does not mean that he's less than the Father, but it means the execution of God's plan for human history. The execution of what God's, God's redemptive plan is all about for this age. I'm getting a little bit too heavy. Let me, let me, let me, say, let me put it this way. Our salvation is, the Trinity is involved in the total picture of our salvation. You might put it this way. God the Father plans our salvation. He planned it before eternity passed. He planned it. Secondly, the, the God the Son, Jesus Christ, purchased our salvation. He was sent here in the world to die on the cross in our place and for our sin, and he paid the price for our sin. He purchased our salvation. Now, here's where the procession of the Holy Spirit comes from. The role of the Holy Spirit is to process our salvation. What he does, what the Holy Spirit does is that regeneration, he gives us new life. That life that was purchased by the Son and planned by the Father. The moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, he gave you new life. He didn't just forgive your sins, but he, he, he came into your heart and life and made you a new person. Now we are being saved. What does that mean? That means on a day-by-day basis, the Holy Spirit is empowering us to live a Christ-like life. And he will ultimately deliver us into the very presence of God. So in terms of what the Spirit of God does, he's a partner with God the Father, God the Son, in terms of the execution of our salvation, but he's also a partner with us in terms of the transformation of our lives based upon that salvation. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing right now in our hearts and lives. And so he advances the will of the Father. That's what John 15, 26 is about. And then secondly, he advances the will of the Son. Look over in John chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. For he, meaning the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. It is the focus job and mission of the Holy Spirit during human history to honor and glorify Christ. 
In that regard, he subordinates himself to the plan of salvation that was orchestrated by God the Father and purchased by the Son to magnify and glorify Jesus Christ. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Be very careful of anybody who teaches on the ministry of the Holy Spirit or watch what you watch on TV. Watch where the focus of the attention is. If they are drawing attention to themselves as the anointed prophet or the one who heals or the one who does these spectacular things, that is not of the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit does not even bring, bring the focus on himself. The Holy Spirit magnifies and glorifies Jesus Christ. He will always exalt Christ. Even the fruit of the Spirit in, in, in Galatians chapter 5 is nothing more than a profile of Christ-likeness. And his whole role, his whole role is to honor and to glorify Christ. So even as we'll get into this down the road in the series, even when he fills us with his spirit, when the spirit of God controls us, who do we, who do we look like? We look more like Jesus because that's his role. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to take place. So the Spirit of God is a partner. What's the implication of this? The Holy Spirit wants to execute and produce what is best and right for us and through us. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. That's the reason why he came. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come just to sit, sit inside of your life and let you gut it out. Serious? You actually think the Holy Spirit is living inside of your life to say, okay, help yourself, Carl, make it on your own. You better go get you some counseling about this addiction. Now, I'm not down on counseling. We still may need that. I'm not saying some type of artificial perfectionism, but I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, he, he, what, you, what, 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 what do you think he came? He, he came into our lives to make us every single thing that God intended for us to be. to make us a portrait of Jesus in every way, to conform us to the image of his darling son. That's why he came. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's power, he's God. Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, he's a partner, Paracletos, one who's called alongside to help advances the will of the Father and the will of the Son, all focused on the plan of redemption and salvation and Christ's likeness. But thirdly, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's a person, meaning he has personality. Well, what, do, what do we mean that? What do we mean by that? You say that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has personality. I guess top line, and we, we use this, uh, just as God the Father is a person and Jesus is a person, so the Holy Spirit is a person, what do we mean by personality? Uh, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you, 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 you can put your hands on flesh and blood and this kind of thing, but it means at least these three things, at least these three things, means that he has intellect, means that he has emotion, it means that he has will. 
means that the Holy Spirit thinks, uh, feels, and he acts. That's, that's kind of generally what, what it means when we say that the Holy Spirit has personality or that God has personality or Jesus has personality. But I want to drill down just a little, little more. Um, we, we see his personality in the sense that he has a personal relationship with the Father and the Son. His personality is not just seen in human history. It goes all the way back in eternity past that there's this inter-Trinitarian, you've heard me say this here before, this inter-Trinitarian love relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's hinted at in that great benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the love of the Father and then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There, 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 is, there, is this, there is this, there's this relational community that reflects all of their personality. But his personality is also seen in the fact that he experiences emotion and pain. There's a couple of graphic texts in the scriptures. For example, uh, um, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, now listen to these words. Pay attention to them. And grieve not the spirit. Stop thinking about that for a second. Think about that for a second. Grieve not the spirit. The feelings of the Holy Spirit can be hurt. He is grieved by our sin. The one who's with us and in us, who is holy, who wants us to make, be more like Christ and, and, and reshape us into the image of Jesus. Crawford, you just lied. Do you know how that makes me feel? That's what the Holy Spirit says. I'm in your heart and life. What are you looking at that sight for? You know how that makes me feel? I heard how you treated that person in a dismissive way and you're arrogant and condescending. You know how that makes me feel? You see, our, our, our struggle is, is that we, we, uh, we, we have developed this brand of Christianity that everything's about us and how we feel. Well, how does God feel about what we do? He is grieved. I actually started to leave this next text out of the, out of, out of the message because it is too harsh, but I decided to put it in there. Uh, there, you, I, I want to encourage you to do this. I don't want to take time to do this here, but go home later this afternoon and, uh, and, and read Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, what is it? Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, verse 29. But I want you to read the, the verses before that. This, 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 this is a remarkable statement. <laughs> the text says that when there is consistent ongoing rebellion and rejection of the Lord Jesus and active sin, particularly among those who have been exposed to truth and the gospel, 
there's this line in verse 29 that scared me to death. It says that the Spirit of God is outraged. Not just angry, but outraged. His feelings and his personality is seen in, in the fact that he experiences uh, this emotion and this, this, this pain. And I have to say here, uh, he, uh, I, I was trying to think of another way of putting this, but his personality is seen, quite frankly, in the sense that, in a certain sense, he does what we do. You ever stop to think about that? When, when you chase down what the Spirit of God does, it's remarkable that the Spirit of God does what we do, and in this regard, it reflects his personality. Where do you get that from? Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna list about seven things that he does. That parallels with what we do. Now, it's the Holy Spirit that does them because it's, 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 it's different. And I'm gonna click them off, and I'm also gonna cite a couple of verses. I didn't put these on the screen. The first thing that he does is that he teaches. We teach. He teaches. Luke 12, 12, uh, the context there is that when you're under persecution, you don't know what to say. Uh, Jesus says the, 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 the helper, the parakletos, will, will, will teach you what to say. Uh, secondly, he testifies. He bears witness. Just as we would validate the integrity or authenticity of what somebody else is saying, the Holy Spirit does the same thing. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says that the Spirit of God testifies, validates that we are the children of God. Thirdly, he intercedes or he prays for us. Just like we pray for others, the Spirit of God prays for us. That's what Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, that he prays for us. When we don't know what to say and or how to say it, it doesn't make sense. Have you ever been there? Have you been there? Have you ever, have you been, your heart been so heavy, you've been in prayer, you don't exactly, can't find the words to say or how to articulate the burdens on your heart? You ever been there? I've been there a few times in my life. But this verse is comforting to me. Because when I'm there and I'm going, I don't know what to say, God, you know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit says, chill, man, I take it from here. I got it. He prays for us. That's what we do. Uh, he warns. It's like we were warned. He also warns. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 23. Uh, Paul was talking about the uncertainty of what he's facing, and the Spirit of God warned him, Paul, you're going to face these hardships. He warns. He also speaks. We speak, he speaks. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, two while the, the leaders of the church at Antioch were praying this kind of thing, the Spirit of God spoke to them. And by the way, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking more than we're listening. I really do. I, I believe he's speaking more than we're listening. You know what else I believe? You know what else I believe? Now, I can't prove this from, from the Bible, but it, I actually believe the more we walk with God, the less volume the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us. I believe that. The more we know, the more we ought to know better than, hey, just calm down. Wait and listen for that still, small voice. But I think the Spirit of God is speaking more than we're listening. He speaks just the same way that we speak. 
Now, I've already said this. Number six, he knows. We have knowledge. He has knowledge. This is all part of his personality. He knows. Once again, 1 Corinthians 2.11, he, he knows things. And then, finally, he hears. The Holy Spirit hears. Just like we hear, he hears. John 13, 6, uh, 13, I mean 16, 13. He hears. He listens. What, what does all this mean? What, is, what does all this mean? What does the fact that he's power, meaning God, the fact that he's, he's a partner, parakletos, the fact that he's a person, all of this means the Holy Spirit wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with us. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever sensed his presence? Do you, do you know what it means to sense impulses and leadings? I think it's a tragedy. Tragedy of modern Christianity. Tragedy. We write our books on how to do this and how to do that and insights into this and what to do with this and how to raise our kids and how to do this and how to do that and how to do this. We make the terrible assumption that just because I know how to do this and how to do that and how to do this and how to do that and how to do this and how to do that, that that knowledge in and of itself is transformative and it's not. And that's the reason why so many of us get frustrated. We have gone to seminars out of the kazoo. We, we, we podcast, we read blogs, and we've done all of this stuff, and it's crammed within us. And I'm not saying those things are worthless because people read my stuff and all of this stuff. I, 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 and I, I think people, we all write these things and do sermons and all of that stuff and speak in seminars, and I think they're very, very helpful. But the terrible thing is that we do them apart from the power of the Spirit of God. That's where the tragedy is. We make the terrible assumption that in our own strength, we can make this stuff happen. We can bootstrap it. We can make it transactional. We can whiteboard it. We can consult ourselves into holiness. Really? 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 And our idolatry is processing knowledge. That's our idols. Where we really need power. We need power. It's God's will that we live supernatural, transformed lives. We need to shift our focus from what we can do to what the Holy Spirit can do. I'm a living witness, and I say this humbly. In a certain sense, you look at my background, I am disqualified for anything and any way that God has ever used me. But the message he's been teaching me all these years is Crawford is not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's this extraordinary verse. 
Ephesians 3.20. The apostle Paul breaks out into a benediction and he says, now unto him who is able (laughs) to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever ask or think. And and usually we camp on that side, but we we underplay this, this prepositional phrase. The prepositional phrase is this. Now unto him who is able to do abundantly, exceedingly, beyond anything that we could ever ask or think, here's a line. According to the power that's at work within us. (laughs) God can do everything, anything that you can imagine and then some. How is he going to do that? according to the power that's within us. And I will send you another comforter who shall be with you and in you. There's nothing God can do or can't do in and through your heart and life. Church, we've got to believe this. We've got to believe this. It is my prayer that in 2017, more of us will embark on a supernatural lifestyle that we will trust the power and the work of the Spirit of God, that we'll know what it means to be controlled by him, to be guided by him, to be led by him, and watch him produce what only he can. Let's stand together. If you're here and you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, the place to begin in experiencing all of this is at the cross, is to say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin, and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. That's when your heart and life is changed, and the Spirit of God comes inside of your life. And he begins his work of transformation and power in and through us. If you need prayer this morning, I'm going to have to, I'm going to ask our elders and staff members and Stephen ministers who are in this service to be up front in any, any prayer need that you may have, anything that's on your heart that you want us to seek the Lord for, we would love to do that. And uh, uh, my wife and I will be back in Guest Central here. If you're visiting with us, we'd love to say hello to you and uh, answer any questions you may have. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace, and thank you for the power of the Spirit of God. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is God. Thank you, O God, that he would dare to come alongside and partner with us. Thank you that he's a person that calls us into relationship with him. Lord, speak to us, we pray. Stir within our hearts a desire to know your spirit, to be known by him, and to surrender to his sovereign control. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings.